Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Hey all, welcome to The Defiant Spirit. I want to jump into today's conversation after having been away for, I don't know, a couple weeks. um, Went to Los Angeles, family trip in the... uh, in the old SUV with six people. I think it's been a minute since we've done that across country, halfway the cross country. Um, and it was really great. It was, it was an amazing trip and a lot of wonderful things. One of the things that was nice was just to decompress, to not um, get on my laptop, didn't even bring it. And uh, relax. It's not easy. As an Enneagram 8, trust me, it is not easy. It's not easy for any of us, but I'm wired to do. And so not doing was really important. And when I was not doing, I was just being. And one of the things I did was I watched some movies I've been I tagged to watch later on. And two of them in particular touched me. And then after I watched them, I realized they're essentially the same movie. And frankly, it's the same conversation I've been having. And it revolves around conversations between adult sons and their fathers. Now, sometimes the conversation is with a an adult son whose father is alive. Sometimes, like me, it's an adult son whose father is dead. And sometimes, it's even, in a handful of cases, it's an adult son whose father shows up and is literally a part of the conversation, and I'm facilitating that conversation. So, you know, that's what I'm going to talk today about, um, what it means to be an adult son. And when I say adult, 30s, I mean, obviously, you know, 18 is an adult, but 30s, 40s, 50s, that range, I call it my midlife man, the um, man rising up in the second half of life. That's my new project, my book, my my direction, I'm working with lots of men and individually and small groups in either entering into the afternoon of life or into the afternoon of life who are working through all kinds of things, but trying to rise up and be that man, that true man. More often than not, he didn't get that. I didn't get that from the man in front of me, from our dads. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Well, that's what I want to focus on today. And the two movies, I'm not going to do a a deep dive into the movies because I really didn't watch them or plan on them in that capacity, but give you a 30,000 foot view of the movies and talk about what they elicited within me and what I see them eliciting uh, in other men that I recommend this movie to. First one was Father Stew. If you haven't seen it, it's with Mark Wahlberg and what's that crazy older dude's name? Mel Gibson. Um, I love Mark Wahlberg. Mel Gibson, not so much as a human being, but as an actor, pretty darn good. And um, Father Stew was the first one. And the second one, I'll, I'll get there in a second. Father Stew is a, about a movie of many things, not the least of which is um, Father Stew, Mark Wahlberg's character, struggling with his dad all throughout his life. And when we meet him, he's um, 
headed into and then into the afternoon of life. This is a young man who who had a, an abusive dad, just not a good dad, a bad dad. You know, there's not good dads and there's bad dads. This was a bad dad. And, and I want to challenge some of the talk out there of what a bad dad is versus not a good dad. You know, a bad dad is crosses a line. And in this movie, the father does cross a line. There's there's abuse. It's not just neglect. That's a form of abuse. But it's a it's an act of commission. It's a doing of an abuse. Because when we get into, you know, emotional abuse and that side of things, I'm not saying it's not real. But we have to have separate categories. It's not fair to say that just because our dad won't participate in our therapeutic conversation, he's a bad dad. That makes him not a good dad. But, you know, something egregious, obviously sexual abuse and physical abuse and um, failing to provide for the basic necessities and all of these things, that's a bad dad. Well, this was a bad dad in the movie. And you watch the consequences of what it means to have a bad dad in our lives. Father Stu finding his way forward in spite of that bad dad. The other movie is I Can Only Imagine, also a bad dad, physical abuse. Like There's no excuse for it. A bad dad. Um, I Can Only Imagine is the story of the Christian rock band. I can't say I'm an expert at Christian rock, but um, I was told by my buddies who are that this is a big-time band, Mercy Me. And it's a story of their founder and lead singer, I forgot his name, and his relationship with many things, not the least of which is his dad, and what it meant to have a bad dad and how he overcame that. Each of these, um, the man found their way back through their relationship with Christ. Father Stu becomes a, um, a Catholic priest, so um, Catholic understanding of, of Christ. And then the other one is an evangelical's relationship and understanding of Christ. And however they got there, they got there. So this isn't me selling Christ, you know, the rabbi and the Jew selling Christ. That doesn't usually, isn't all that compelling. I wouldn't really know what I'm talking about. But I do believe in Christ consciousness. I do believe in a uh, um, uh, divine father figure, whatever you want to call that divine father, divine mother. But I'm talking really and specifically about masculine spirituality and seeing God as a father figure. And every... Man, I know needs a father, and sometimes you get it in the flesh and blood, and sometimes you don't, or you had it and you no longer have it. And that's when we need a father with a capital F. Um, I don't care what you call it. I don't care how you define it, but we need something bigger than ourselves. It can also be, by the way, spiritual fathers. For me, Viktor Frankl is spiritual father. I never met the man, but I know him in ways that I don't know most other men by reading his books and holding him in my mind's eye and writing about his works and, and integrating those works into my lives and now representing his um, teachings and his legacy has touched me and lifted me up in profound ways. I, I've had a couple people argue that that's not the same thing as knowing them. I would agree to disagree because um, most of the great sages I've had that have truly impacted the way I live my life have been men I've never, men and women, I've never met. I've only learned about them in books and studied their works. So 
and, and then there's other men that are in my life, been in my life for a long time. I got, you know, family members who have impacted me zero or negatively impacted me. So it's not about flesh and blood. It's not about how long you've known somebody. It's about whether they've touched your mind, your heart, and your soul. And in my case, Viktor Frankl has. And he's been a surrogate father for me in ways my dad hasn't been. Um, you know, the story of my dad and my new book is um, all about that relationship and not getting it in my dad and getting it in Viktor Frankl and in other ways. That doesn't matter how you get it, especially as a man, you need to get it in some variation, version, form of a dad. In a perfect world, I hope it is your flesh and blood dad. But for most of us, it just ain't going to happen that way. Well, these are two movies about men who didn't get it in their dads. They found it through capital F father. But in the process, they healed themselves, which is always the starting point when I'm working with men, even if your dad won't show up. Um, and be part of the work or he can't show up because he's no longer here. You can still do this work. You can still heal yourself having been given a bad dad. And it also is true, if it's true with a bad dad, somebody who's egregiously violated the dad contract, who has harmed us, um, it's certainly true with not good dads. Again, not good dad is the, all everybody else. I'm not a good dad. I have, I'm, I have times when I'm a really good dad. And if you look at the ledger, I'd like to think my kids would say it's more than 50% good and less than 50% bad, but it is not 100% good and 0% bad. And, you know, so I think it's about can we, as dads, as human beings, but as dads, can we tip the scales, hopefully more than 51, 49%, but you know, and move in that direction. So not good dad is very different than bad dad. Well, again, if it's possible to heal ourselves and to heal our relationship with the bad dad, certainly we can heal the relationship with the good, the, the not good dad. Okay, um, that's part of what I wanted to talk about. Now watch these movies. They're heart touching movies. I mean, it takes a lot to get me to cry. I don't say that with any pride. I'm not proud of it. As an Enneagram 8, I've always struggled to get tears, to get teary. And so when they come, I know that I'm in some sacred space. I watched both of these movies and I teared up on both occasions. I think partially too, it's because I'm writing this book, uh, Man Uprising, and I'm working with so many men who are working through their strained relationships with their dad that it just hits so many different nerds, nerds, nerves. But whatever it did, I take it seriously. And you should take this mo these movies seriously because they will truly get into um, some profound places in your life. One of the things I wanted to talk about on this call, I'm going to be doing a lot of conversations around men, man uprising. And it's not just for the men. I mean, it's for anybody. It's for men, but it's also for you if you're married to a man, if you have a man in your life, if you um, have a dad. And of course, everybody had a dad, whether you had a good relationship or not, another conversation, a son. It's just important for women to be a part of these conversations too so they can really deepen their understanding of their man, whoever that man is. What does it mean to... Um, to be a not bad dad, to be a good dad, right? To go across that threshold. I'm not talking about what does it mean, you know, at a very fundamental level. Yeah, don't beat your 
child. I mean, that's, uh, that's a given from my vantage point. I want to go beyond that. I want to go back to that place of tipping the scales. What does it mean to be a not bad dad and to move into that realm of being a good dad where your goodness outweighs the sort of badness, if you will? How do you start building that and tipping the scales? And what do you do if you're the son and you're saddled with a bad dad or a not good dad? Okay, so let's just focus on one thing and one thing alone in the remaining time, and it won't be that much time, that we have together. And that is this. And it's really simple. It's not simplistic. It's not easy to do, but it's a very simple concept. Let's just call it showing up. Because in my experience, having had a dad, having been a dad, and having coached many, many men and working through their issues with their dad, was it Henry Kissinger? Somebody said showing up is half the battle. It's more than half the battle. It's 90% of the battle. Whatever it is, showing up. Now, it sounds easy, but I have spoken to just this week alone three men who have said the same thing. They so deeply and desperately are ready and wanting to heal their relationship with their dad, but their dad won't show up. He won't show up in a call that we've set with them. I do some of my calls with the individual man and bringing in his dad. Um, they won't show up on that. Forget that. They won't even show up to a coffee date to talk about their relationship. One um, client I have said he reached out to his dad and, you know, heartfelt letter, Dad, you know, I own my side of the street. Um, I'd like to talk about you owning your side of the street and then us finding that sort of middle ground in the middle of the street. Relationships are always two sides of the street. Maybe it's not 100% fault, you know, maybe it's not 50-50% his fault, her, his fault, but there's degrees in there. And so anyways, he says to his dad, I'd like to, you know, take responsibility for my side of the street and I'd like to talk about, you know, you and your side of the street and his dad wouldn't do it. Bad dad. Right, because a dad's obligation, and I don't mean showing up in physical presence, pers you know, at that coffee date. Maybe you can't do that. That's not the point. The point is, is what he said to his son was, "No, I, I'm not interested. I'm interested right now in pickleball, or I'm interested in, you know, um, what's what's the phrase that um, the guy said? You do you, I do me. I hate that, by the way. You do you." right? You do you. No, we don't do us. We're in relationship. Life is to be lived in relationships. There's always a we. And so, yes, do you and clean up your side of the street, but meet me halfway and let's do we. And his dad essentially said, no, I don't do we. That's not what I do anymore. That's not where I'm at in life. Bad dad. Because I screw up all the time. I screwed up with one of my kids, um, again, <laughs> couple days ago, Aviv, and I hurt him. I don't need to get into it, and I didn't mean to. I, it, was, it, was, it was a sin of omission, not commission, and he was hurt. And I saw that he was hurt, and I just showed up and gave him an opportunity to share and to vent, and I just took it. I received it. Do I agree with all of it? No, but that wasn't the point. He wasn't asking me to fact check him. He was asking me without asking me, can you show up? Can you be present? And that was enough. I didn't even actually have to do anything. I owned my side of it. I apologized for what I could. 
and I hugged him. And that's what he was asking for. That's, what, that's how you move from a not good dad into a good dad. I was not a good dad for what I did. I moved into the space and, and, and you know, tipped the scales just a little more that day, probably un untipped them since then, but just showing up, just being present. There's this teaching in the Talmud. It's been a long time since I've looked at it. I'll just give you the gist of it. Um, the leader dies, and he was a leader who instilled certainty and security like good leaders do. And they tried replacing this leader. And this leader was a great orator, but a, not a great, you know, um, executive. And this one had these qualities, but not that. Nobody could replace this great leader. And finally, some mediocre, mid-level bureaucrat type leader stepped up and said the words that everybody just needed to hear, that he couldn't replace this great leader. He couldn't be somebody he wasn't. But what he said was in Aramaic, Ika Anna, which translates to, I am here. I am here. I am here. And in that moment, everybody's anxiety started to, to dissipate. And no, he didn't replace them. We can never replace anybody. But he could step into the void. In the absence of a man, it says in one of the Jewish traditions, Rise up and be that man. Be that mensch, I think was the Yiddish word used. Be that man. Just, just rise up and in, in the absence, show up. That's part of the deal. So I didn't realize I was going to get this rabbinic today, but I'll keep going with this. Um, Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve make mistakes. Adam and Eve... Um, I won't call it the sin. The sin of the garden of the uh, in the in the Garden of Eden, I don't believe, was a sin. The word sin is never used. They they failed, but we all fail, and it's that's not why they get kicked out of the art garden from eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's what happened next. God comes looking for them, and what does God say? Ayaka, where are you? Right, and it's more than geographical. I have to believe that you know. Big Father in the sky knew where they were. Otherwise, I'm not sure what what you know what God is. So it's not physical; it's existential. Where are you now that you failed, Adam? And what was Adam's response? Adam didn't take responsibility. Adam didn't even show up. He ran away back to not good dad. To be a good dad means we step into the garden. We step into the arena. We take responsibility. As I always say, guys, not taking responsibility for what's not yours, right? Taking responsibility for what's yours. All Adam had to do was take responsibility for part of the mess. It wasn't all on him. There was Eve. There was a snake. But take responsibility for what's yours. And taking responsibility means showing up. That's the first step in taking responsibility, to stand still, to be present, and to say the magic words. If you take nothing away from this, this powerful Hebrew word, when God came calling, all Adam had to do was say the words that Moses said later on, which God calls out to Moses from the burning bush. Remember that? And what's God, Moses' response? Um, God says, Moshe, Moshe, Moses, Moses. And what is Moses' response? Hineni, here I am. Abraham says it. Jacob says it later on. Hineni. And what does Hineni mean? Here I 
am. I want to get a tattoo of Hineni on my arm. Hineni, Ayeka and Hineni. Where are you? Here I am. These are the fundamentals of what we are asking. I have not just our dad, anybody across from us who's hurt us egregiously or again, unintentionally, acts of omission. Where are you? That's what Aviv was saying to me. Abba, he calls me Abba. Ayeka, where are you? And part of me wanted to run from the garden. Part of me didn't want to take responsibility. Part of me wanted to be defensive and to blame and to explain. And, you know, that was one of my finer moments. I can share with you many non-finer moments where I said, essentially, Hineni. And it didn't matter anything else that came out of my mouth that day. Hineni was enough. And Hineni is enough. Or at least it's enough of a starting point. Yeah, there's lots of reparation that has to happen. Watch these movies. What both boys are looking for from their dads is to step into the garden, to step into the arena, to step into the relationship and say, Hineni, right? I'm sorry. I will take responsibility for what's mine. I can't take responsibility for what's not mine. But let's start with that. Here I am, son. That's what that client of mine was asking of his dad. Can you just meet me for coffee and say, Hineni, right? Can we just reestablish that connection? Because if you're running, I can't chase you. I, I can try, but it doesn't do any good. You see in this movie, these sons chasing their dads. Finally, they walk away. Now, let me just say one thing about this. Walking away is no better than chasing. I've had many guys that I've worked with throughout the years who've said, I'm done. I'm out. And what I say to them is bullshit. It doesn't mean you're going to be in dialogue with your dad. It doesn't mean you're going to interact with your dad. But you don't get to cut off the relationship because that continues on even after he's dead. Right? How many of us continue to work through our relationship even when our loved one is no longer by our side. It doesn't make the relationship go away. It makes the interactions go away. It makes the day-to-day um, -day go away. But you don't get to say, I'm done. Your dad is your dad. You get one in this lifetime, the biological one, and even when they're dead, relationship ain't over. So you're just a scared little boy saying, I'm out, I'm done. And that's a life of reaction. It's no better than pining for something your dad won't give you or he can't give you. Both of those are reactions. Our job is to break the pattern of bad dad, of not good dad. And how do we break the pattern? By not running in our own life. If you're running from all of the things that you hate about your dad and how he hurts you, you're still running. You're still Adam running from the call of the father. And your job, my job, is to say, Hineni, I'm going to face my dad. Maybe he won't show up for coffee. Maybe he won't show up in B's counseling chair with me, but I'll show up with B in a counseling conversation, a coaching call. Um, or I'll share, show up in my own life and do this work and heal the process. Now go back to Father Stu and, and the movie I Can Only Imagine. I wish they had a better name. I Can Only Imagine keeps escaping me. Both of these guys finally stopped running from their dads, stopped running from the pain that they were avoiding and started to heal. And they healed through spiritual work. Again, each of them as Christians, they healed through um, confronting their demons. They healed by returning and releasing their dad from the debtor's prison. You know, the debtor's prison. In ancient times, when somebody couldn't repay their debts, they would throw them into prison. 
um, as an act of punishment. I guess we still do the same thing. If you don't pay your taxes, eventually you're let out. Well, we don't have debtor's prison so much anymore, but we have our own debtor's prison where we put people away. We become the um, prosecuting attorney and the judge and the warden, and we put them in our in our inner debtor's prison and we lock the key and we throw it away and we think we're done with them. That's just energy that eats at us because it's a full-time job to be the warden and to be the the review board and to every so often bring them up for review just so we can shoot them down and put them back in prison. That takes its toll. That eats away at you. And then you just end up becoming the not so good dad or the bad dad or the less than you could be husband or man. We have got to free them from our debtor's prison. And in this movie, both these men, their life was transformed when they freed their fathers from the debtor's prison. Their fathers didn't deserve it. But that's grace, that's kindness, that's love. It doesn't mean we forget, it does mean we forgive. Love is forgiving. Love is forgiving and forgiving. And so you see in in both of these movies, when these two grown men finally healed themselves and finally released their fathers from the debtor's prison, their art came to bear in the case of I can only imagine, or their calling as a priest came to bear. Father Stu became a priest before he died. And that's my hope and my wish for the people I work with, for the people listening to this call, to be able to do this work by showing up as the starting point, showing up in the relationship with your dad, inviting him back to the table or anybody in your life who you shut out, if they're no longer violating you, right, and it's no longer egregious, you do not have to put yourself in harm's way to do this work. And sometimes if you can't, if they can't show up or if you don't want them to show up because it is abusive or they're not here like my dad to show up, then you do this work on your own. You stop running from the demons. You stop running from the pain. You stop running from the past and you stand still. Victor Frankl calls this making your defiant stand and you say, I will not run any more. I will not be like Adam in the garden fleeing, right, from what needs to be faced. I will be like Moses facing it finally and fully and saying, he nanny, here I am. That's all you have to say if you're a bad dad. That's all you have to say as a not good dad. That's all you have to say as a dad, as a man, as a anybody. I know many women listening to this too. That's all you have to say in your life as a starting point. It's not an end point. It's not enough but it's enough for the moment to get the ball rolling and then to show up again and again and again and again. I have not seen a relationship gone bad because I have two people willing to show up. And I don't just mean show up like this. I mean show up in the arena, in the garden. Here I am, Hineni. I'm all in. Again, I won't take responsibility or change what's not mine, but I will take responsibility and work through what is. And that's what it means to be a not bad dad. And that's what it means to be on your way to a good dad or whoever you are, a good person, a good mother, a good daughter, a good son, a good fill in the blank, you name it. It starts with saying, Hineni, here I am to the call of that person waiting for us, like my client, waiting for his dad to show up at the coffee shop Ayaka, where are you, Dad? He nanny, son. 
Here I am. And that is my sermon. I'm back in sermon mode. I promise you I won't always be. Um, That's my message for today. Stick around for more. If you'd like to learn more about Man Uprising, both individual coaching, but also groups that are forming. I'm running one right now. We're going to do one virtually. Man Uprising, learning how to say Hineni, here I am, and rise up in the second half of life. Jump over to... um, Uh, My website, one of my websites, defiantspirit.org, or shoot me an email, be at defiantspirit.org, and I'd be happy to talk to you more about it. Until then, defy your number and live your spirit. Ayeka, where are you? Hineni, you are right here showing up. Keep showing up. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Levy. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.